Happy holidays, everyone. We are coming at you with a very special episode of SBT Overtime. If you're new to the podcast, well, we're pretty new too. We're only on our, I believe, our fifth episode, so it's already been about a month of us doing this. Uh, Normally, we cover uh, topics and sports that we don't typically cover on Sports Power Talk, which you can listen to every Sunday at 11 on 88.1 WZIP. But it's not very often that our beloved Cleveland Browns play at a 5 o'clock on a Monday and then again on a Saturday, which happens to be at Christmas. So uh, today we're going to recap the heartbreaking, to say the least, loss over the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders, rather. Uh, We're going to take a preview at the Christmas Day game versus the Packers and take a look at the playoff picture, particularly in the AFC North. Uh, My name is Dan Groen, and today I am joined with my co-host Marcus Anderson. What's up? What's up? And Logan Congrove. How's it going? So, all right, where do we begin, gentlemen? Uh, It was a heartbreaker that pretty much epitomizes how the Brown season has went so far. Uh, What are your just initial thoughts and takeaways on this game? I thought it was pretty heartbreaking. I that was a good word to use. Um, I think that obviously the COVID stuff that definitely hurt the Browns. I think Nick Nick Mullins played pretty well for being out there as a third stringer, but obviously we had the chance to either go to first in the AFC North or fall to twelfth in the AFC, and they fell to twelfth in the AFC. So they're gonna have to pretty much win out to make the playoffs, which stinks. But that's just how the Browns are wired, I guess. Um, I'll say um, they didn't do what they were supposed to do to win this game until the second half. I mean, Nick Chubb only had six carries throughout the whole first two quarters, and then it wasn't until the second half when they started running the ball a lot more and then led to a game a game, a game, leading touchdown by Nick Mullins. And, but I give him a lot of credit for hanging in there with, despite of all the COVID, COVID players they lost and mm-hmm. losing their head coach. And I give them all credit for that. But now they play the Packers, and I'm not sure if their season could be saved. Yeah, uh, we can definitely take a look at the scenarios on uh, how the Browns can still make it, whether they win or lose to the Packers. But kind of going back to what you were saying, they didn't really get anything going until the second half, which has kind of been the opposite of what we've seen a lot uh, throughout the year, is they start off really strong in the first half, and then they end up getting way too conservative in the second half, we nearly saw that uh, being blown last week against the Ravens. Um, but yeah, you're right. They just did not have much success running the ball with Chubb. Uh, they stuffed him pretty well. Uh, he ended up finishing with 91 yards on 23 attempts, which averages to uh, exactly four yards a carry, which is a lot more than what it seemed like. Um, and then going back to Nick Mullins, he definitely looked very solid that game. He went 20 for 30. Um, Honestly, a lot of his tar- uh, a lot of his passes were right on target, right on point, but there were just a lot of big crucial drops, um, such as the Donovan Peoples Jones drop that was crucial. I think Demetric Felton had one or two. Um, Nick Mullins finished with, uh, like I said, twenty for thirty, one hundred forty-seven yards and a touchdown and no picks. So very good for a third-string uh, practice squad quarterback. Uh, it was very fortunate for us that we had a practice squad quarterback who's had starting experience uh, before with the 49ers. He played a little bit with the Eagles as well. But right now, we're not really at a point where we can be satisfied with moral victories. Obviously, it was good that we were able to 
compete with the Raiders for as shorthanded as we were with pretty much everyone of significance with a, with a, a couple exceptions out uh, on COVID list, on COVID reserve. But we're just not at a point where we can be satisfied with moral victories. We have to be winning each one of these games. So uh, let's take a look at a couple of these uh, things that happened throughout the game. There were a couple instances that really stood out to me. One was the early drop from Donovan Peoples-Jones early on. That really changed the whole, I, I don't know if it changed the whole outcome, but that was one of the crucial plays that if that were, if he were to catch that, it was on point, if he were to catch that, that definitely would have changed the game. Any thoughts on that? I think you're right. It was like a, it was a tone changer. And if he were to make that catch, I feel like that puts a lot more confidence into the Browns and their offense. And the fact that he didn't, I think it just deflated them and it took a toll on the rest of the game and influenced other things that happened down the line. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. That would have, like, changed the momentum for an entire Browns team. But I'll say that the play that stood out to me was the was the last third-down call by the Browns, um, like, where they chose to just run the ball. And when they had to leave 14 or 13 after that greedy, greedy Williams interception, they chose to run the ball instead of passing it, and which was a very crucial play call. I mean, they had the victory in their hands at that point mm-hmm. and gave Derek Carr another chance to drive down the field and win the game for the Raiders. Yeah, that's another one that really stood out to me. There were pretty much three plays or situations, I guess, if you will, that really we really would have liked to have them back. The first one, like I said, being the Donovan Peoples-Jones catch, and then the next one that... I wouldn't even say it was the necessarily the whole that singular play, but that whole sequence after that greedy Williams pick. You still have over two minutes left when after that pick. That's a long time in, in football, especially when the lead is that close, when you only have a one point lead. Um I didn't necessarily hate the fact that we ran the ball with Chubb on all three of those plays, but the execution was just not there. Uh, we had Joel Batonio playing left tackle, Michael Dunn at left guard. Um, so obviously we were shorthanded on the offensive line. And it just, like I said, it wasn't the fact that we ran. It was how we executed and how we looked. We the, the previous drive when we got that touchdown, we were mixing up our plays. Nick Chubb started to break away. Nick Mullins was throwing some pretty good balls that went short to mid-range that pretty much controlled the tempo of that game. And Donovan Peoples-Jones actually... He started to find his groove later on in that half. So do we do we agree? Do we is that what was running the ball with Chubb, was that a bad play call? I don't think it was a bad play call. I think that you're right. I think the execution just could have been better, but I don't like you said, I don't hate that Chubb was running the ball, especially considering that they didn't really utilize him the entire first half, which is very, mm-hmm. very questionable to me. But normally Chubb is a pretty consistent runner, so you could most likely count on them to make those plays. But you're right, the execution just wasn't there. Right. That and it, yeah, it was pretty much the execution and the fact that he was just not having much success running the ball when they did. I noticed this pattern a lot throughout the game when we were on offense. We would run the ball, it would go nowhere. We'd run the ball or pass on second down with pretty much no success whether it would be running and we'd only gain like two or three yards or 
if it was passing and the receivers would drop it. And then third down, there would be a completion. It would be a third and long, there would be a completion, but it would only go for four yards and we'd end up having to punt. So that definitely changed the whole tone of the game. That, or that pretty much set the whole tone of the game. And then when we finally were able to capitalize on that strip sack from JOK um, and then go for the touchdown and then having to pick off uh, Derek Carr, Greedy Williams with that pick, just there was just a lot of situations where we really could have ran or we really could have won. I know we talked about it kind of before we recorded this. It almost would have been better to lose this game in a blowout where we know that we were being outplayed, out-talented, but we really had this game in our hands. Yeah. It did seem like, like, speak of that play call, the Raiders, not just that play call, but the Raiders already knew what they was going to do, the Browns were going to do. It's like they had their whole game plan surrounded, focused on Nick Chubb because it's like every every snap, every defensive snap, they had eight man eight man in the box. They always crowded up the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. bring their safeties up close, like Java Abram, bringing their bring their linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage. It seemed like they always had the box crowded up every play for Nick Chubb. And yeah, that yeah. that's pretty much been the story of the whole year. Where it, it feel like our play calling has become a lot more predictable. Um, we haven't seen quite as much of the play action bootleg rollouts that we've seen that have worked so well last year. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with not just this game, but in previous games, a lot to do with Baker Mayfield's injuries. I feel like they're being a lot more conservative with him, maybe not using him more mobily as they have in years or in, uh, you know, in the previous years, I guess. So yeah, just mixing up how we look, mixing up our looks up front, even if we were going to run the ball with Chubb there, it was obvious when we were going to run, we've been very predictable on that. And then the few times that we did run that play action with Nick Mullins, it worked out pretty well. He had a lot of time. He had a lot of protection. He has not gotten sacked actually for as, for as uh mediocre, I guess, as our run blocking has been, I guess mediocre is putting it, uh, giving him a lot of credit. Our run blocking was not good, but our pass protection really was. He has not gotten sacked. Um, on the other hand, the Browns defense ended up having two sacks. No one recorded a full sack. I believe it was JOK and Sheldon Day uh, combining for one, and I think that was the fumble that ended up leading us to that touchdown. And then Joe Jackson and Tommy Togiai ended up getting them as well. Uh, but Derek Carr, at the end of the day, 25 for 38, 236 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. He ended up having a pretty successful day. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Actually, let's take a look at the Raiders' running game first. They end up... I thought I had it on me right here, but... Um, 15 carries for 52 yards that's for Josh right. Jacobs. For Josh Jacobs. Peyton Barber also had a pretty good game. I believe he was averaging about 6 yards a carry. Yep. So it looked like they were running pretty well on us, not spectacularly, but um, maybe it was just the fact that Peyton Barber was averaging a lot of yards per carry. And they were just kind of wearing down our defense as the game went on, which I think, I feel like our defense did pretty well given the circumstances. Given that we only had two starters in our secondary, only one other player who's gotten meaningful snaps. Other than that, it's been a bunch of rookies or practice squad level guys. How do we, how do we feel about how our defense played? I think they played pretty decent for the circumstances. Um, I do think that they 
we're getting a little intimidated by the average yards per carry for Peyton Barber. But it does look like, I mean, Josh Jacobs only had 3.5 yards per carry. So mm-hmm. that it appears that they, like, they knew how to stop him. They knew how to be, like, play well and conservative around him. Yeah, and it feels like it kind of averaged out because it feels like either we would end up tackling him for a loss or we'd end up going out for eight yards. It, I feel right. like it kind of averaged out like that rather than hitting him getting three yards every right. single carry. Yeah, it, it, they they did do a great job defensively. Um, I would say the secondary is still kind of suspect. Um, there was plenty of times where the receivers will get behind the secondary, especially someone like Zay Jones, who's not often a deep threat himself, again, behind the secondary. And also that LeVar Edwards touchdown and on, surprisingly, Denzel Ward. And I still say the secondary is kind of suspect. And I see Aaron Rodgers having, having a fun day with them. Mm-hmm. If they don't yeah. make adjustments, Zay Jones down the stretch was making a lot of catches for them too. Um, in the crucial moments at the end, I I heard his name like five times, and I was like, "How? Like this dude is not a consistent dude. How are we not playing more, better defense on him?" And the Raiders, it's important to keep in mind that the Raiders led the league heading into the game in long yard and big explosive plays. I believe they had heading into the game sixty plays where. There's 60 passes that went for 20-plus yards. Yeah, this this was the p- number three pass off in the NFL, but still. Yeah, which is, you know, it, it's just kind of looking at these stats, it kind of shows that they are a team that distributes the ball pretty evenly. You had Zay Jones getting 67 yards on uh, six receptions. Uh, Morrow has got uh, 65 yards and seven receptions. They did a pretty decent job of locking down Hunter Renfro. He had... Uh, Three receptions on five targets for 32 yards. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the entire league. I'd agree. He's, he's come off very strong. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have him in my fantasy leagues. <laughs> and so, but Josh Jacobs, he ended up having uh, 42 yards receiving. So I think that may be another reason why we thought he had a better game than the stats showed, at least rushing. But they did distribute the ball pretty well. They did take advantage of our weakened secondary. And so, kind of going back to what you were saying, heading into the Packers game, Aaron Rodgers is, I think, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. He still is playing at an MVP level. He's got a lot of great receivers on him, a lot of great weapons. And it'll be nice to have a lot of our secondary back, see if they can at least try to stop him. They've done a pretty decent job as of late. I know we've given Joe Woods a lot of, a lot of flack, kind of rightfully so, but he's definitely, their defense has definitely shown up in the last couple games. So we'll see how he does against Aaron Rodgers and some of their deadly receivers. So kind of segueing into that, into that Packers game, what are some keys that, what are some of the keys that we need in order to win this game? They have to, they have to be able to predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do on offense. Um, Aaron Rodgers, like you said, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. If you're able to put him in a position where he is throwing unsuccessful passes or he's not being able to get enough off on the run, then you're going to be in a better spot. You have to be able to predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Yeah, they got to do a good job covering those receivers, especially with Dizzo Ward. He's, he has a real test going up against Devontae Adams. He has a real test right there. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, 
do a good job on the receivers and also keep the run keep their run game in check. Um not only are they running um Aaron Jones, they're also running AJ Dillon, so keep an eye out for that and yeah, that's the way they can win the ball game. Right. The Packers, they've been my number two team for as long as I've been watching football, and I've been very fortunate that almost every game they've played this year is when the Browns aren't playing. So I've had a lot of time to watch them, and I know how dangerous they are both through the air and on the ground. They are probably the most deadly offense in the entire league, I would say. And so one of my big keys to winning this game would be to pressure, put a lot of pressure on that uh, offensive line. They've had a lot of injuries and COVID issues going on with that offensive line. I don't know how strong they will be heading into the game. I would assume that the Browns are going to get a lot of people back. Unfortunately, Tack McKinley won't be one of those guys to come back. Ian Rappaport reported uh, yesterday that the Browns fear that he has suffered a torn Achilles. So that is a big loss. But we also should be returning Jadavian Clowney. We should be returning pretty much everyone else in the secondary. Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, uh, A.J. Green for more depth at corner. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, he has not had a very good season so far, but having him back at least for depth purposes will be huge. So definitely put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Put a lot of pressure on those running backs because if you give Rodgers time in the pocket, you're you're going to get lit up pretty much. Yes. He is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks of all time, I think. Uh, still playing, like I said, at an MVP level. They're my Super Bowl favorites right now. I think that they have the best chance of going on in winning the Super Bowl. So what about on offense? What are what are some of the things we need to do on offense if we want to win this game? They have to utilize Nick Chubb better than they did against the Raiders. They have to figure out a way to get him through the small spots in the holes in the offensive or the defensive line, my bad. Um, they have to make sure that their receivers are hopefully out there to play. If not, then they need to make sure whoever they have playing is ready to go out there and connect on passes. I would say mix it up a little bit. I mean, keep on the ground, but not only run Nick Chubb, I mean, utilize um, Dearness Johnson as well. Also with the play, also with the passing game as well, mix it up a little bit. Mix it up with some play action, rollouts, um, short passes, quick passes to the outs, and overall just mix it up. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we're not sure if Kareem Hunt will return. Uh, he was placed on COVID reserve, and he also is dealing with an ankle injury, I believe. Um, so having him back as that two-way threat where he can be a very good mid-range to short-range receiver, as well as being the elite running back that he is, that will be crucial. But yeah, mixing it up, uh, you definitely don't want to go too pass-heavy because they got a very dangerous secondary. Right. Um, they could be returning Jer Alexander, Eric Stokes, one of the best rookie corners in the entire league. This has been a very good corner class of rookies, uh, I must say. Uh, Greg Newsom, he's been excellent. Pat Sertain. Um, and uh, Eric Stokes, definitely one of the more dangerous ones. And then one that has kind of come out of nowhere, Rasul Douglas. He's kind of like one of their third or fourth corners at the moment. But so far, he's already uh, had a couple pick sixes over the last couple weeks. Oh, yeah. So he is not someone that you want to throw a bad ball to. Yeah, pretty much an unsung hero. But this has been the same defense kind of suspect last two games, allowing guys like Justin Fields or a guy like Ty- Tyler Huntley put up like 
over 30 points on them each game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, their their defensive front is definitely weaker than their secondary because, like I said, Eric Stokes, Jared Alexander, Rasul Douglas, even throwing guys like Darnell Savage, uh, Adrian Amos is doing very well this year. Um, so, yeah, you definitely want to take advantage of that defensive line. They still have a lot of good pieces. Their linebackers are really good. I really like Devondre Campbell. He's kind of been another uh, star that kind of has come out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, you definitely want to take advantage of that line. And another another thing that I think we should not ignore, take advantage of takeaways in special teams. Green Bay has struggled significantly with special teams. Uh, they've had a couple muff punts. They had a couple uh, – They've been very inconsistent with their kicking, which is pretty uh, uncharacteristic for uh, Mason Crosby. But just taking advantage of, because, and that's taking advantage of takeaways has been one of the faults of the Browns. We saw it yesterday with that Greedy Williams interception that they really could have sealed the game on. The Raiders had no timeouts left. If you get that first down, you actually might just win that game. You probably do win that game. And then we'll also look at other games. I don't, I don't want to bring back the first Ravens game where we picked off Lamar Jackson four times and still lose. It's stuff like that that's absolutely killer. You cannot do that against teams like Green Bay, against teams like Kansas City. We lose a turnover battle against Kansas City. We ultimately lose that game. So not only do you take advantage of your takeaways, but you also... <laughs> you also don't turn the ball over. And the Browns haven't done that very much as of late but they just can't do that against Green Bay. So, any additional thoughts on that? I think that you're correct. Um, if we have Baker Mayfield back, he's definitely a little inconsistent when it's when he's throwing the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, I think Baker Mayfield needs to definitely watch his throwing, and they need to call plays to accommodate that as well. Um, but, yes, they do need to definitely capitalize off of takeaways, anything, inconsistencies in the Packers, special teams, they just have to. It's the That's the best game plan to be able to come out of this game with a win. Yeah, I would say same thing, capitalize off the turnovers, which is something they haven't been, uh, ha- they have been unable to do all season, especially you look back at the losses, like that Ravens game. It's unbelievable how they still lost. But so, yeah, overall, just capitalize it. But at the same time, Baker, we don't have to play the hero in this one. Just still keep it, keep it on right. the ground. Mostly give it to Nick Chubb, but still mix it up a little. Absolutely, and as the whole Baker Mayfield thing—it's a very, very polarizing subject that I really don't like getting into. My personal thoughts on it, which I guess I will get into now, is that I know it's gonna—I know that people are are tired of hearing excuses, of hearing, "Oh, wait until he's healthy. Oh, wait until the situation's better. Whatever." But I just don't know how much you can judge him based on this year. Um, I, I don't want to get hung up too much on that, but are there any thoughts that we have on Baker Mayfield, at least at least to finish out the season? I personally am on. I'm I'm going to oppose you on that side. I think that he's a, he's a really good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just think all the, all this time everybody's saying, oh, wait, you're right. Oh, wait till he gets this. Oh, wait till he's healthy. But when does that finally happen? I mean, he has one of the best receiving cores in the league, and he has Nick Chubb I mean, behind him. I would disagree him. with that with how they're playing this year. Fair, fair. But, like, 
talent-wise. If they were playing up to absolute standards, they have one of the best the best receiving corps in the league on paper, and then they have two of the best running backs in the league when both healthy behind him. And then he has a, we gave him one of the excuses was all oh, he has no line. Now he has an offensive line. So I don't see what the what the issue still is with him. Uh, probably the fact that his shoulder is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that definitely doesn't help him because he did look very good uh, in the first couple weeks. I believe heading into week two or three, he had an eighty percent. I know that those two weeks are, you know, it's kind yeah. of a short sample size, but he it, had it was, eighty uh, plus completion percentage. Yeah, it was first in the NFL. Yeah. Yes, and. The one play, if I could go back in time, if I could go back and just change one little thing, I would go back, keep Anthony Schwartz out from that one play against the Texans, and he doesn't he doesn't run and stop on the route. Baker doesn't throw the interception. He doesn't go and make the try to make the tackle and injure his shoulder. That pretty much changed the whole entire trajectory of the season. So, I I'm not gonna take a firm stance on. Either way, I personally think he's our guy, but I am getting kind of tired of trying to make these excuses, not because I don't think they're valid, but because I know people don't want to hear it. And so just get that shoulder healed up. He, he showed that he can be a, a top-end, a high-end quarterback in the league last year with a good offensive line, with good receivers. So you go out um, in the offseason, acquire some receivers, I really like some of the guys from Ohio State, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. I'd be fine with either one of them. There's a couple other guys that you can probably get through free agency. Add some more receiving talent around him because, let's be honest, this year they have underperformed a lot. Rashard Higgins has been absent. Jarvis Landry, he's had a couple uncharacteristic drops. Same with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Just surround him with more talent, let him get healthy, and I think he will be back to where he was last year. So let me ask you this. Two questions. Right. One, if if we lose against Green Bay, do you shut Baker Mayfield down the rest of the season? If our hopes are completely dead. No, because there's still a chance that we win uh, the last two games and still make the playoffs. In fact, let's actually talk about that right now because I do have those loaded up. The pe- The Browns, all right. So this is best-case scenario, and we can go through these week by week. The Browns can lose to the Packers and win out, um, finish 9-8, and and still make the playoffs. Because if we look at some of these other— well, before I look at some of these other weeks, uh, this uh, playoff predictor on New York Times said that if the Browns lose to Green Bay and win out, their chances—well, right now— as of today, 21% chance of making the playoffs. They lose to Green Bay and win out, their chances bump up to 39%. If they win out, they have a 97% chance and okay. pretty much um, they, they pretty much clinch the division. So let's go and look at this week by week. Next week, the uh, Ravens play the Bengals in Cincinnati. How do we see that one going? If Lamar Jackson is healthy, I think it's a closer game. Although Tyler Huntley played pretty well this week. Um, but Lamar Jackson being back for them definitely makes a big difference, in my opinion, on how that game goes. I think that it'll be close, but I think Baltimore comes away with that one. 
It's like that's the kind of game where whoever has the ball last will win the game. Yes, is that kind? Yeah, the Ravens definitely put up a fight against Green Bay, and a lot of that had to do with Tyler Huntley. In fact, I'm more I'm more uh, concerned about him than I am Lamar Jackson. I feel like a lot of teams. I've said this before. A lot of teams not only figured out Lamar Jackson, but have adapted, especially here in the AFC North, adapted their talent to be able to out outrun him. He's been a very athletic quarterback, obviously. We know that he is a huge threat on his feet. On When it comes to airing the ball out and throwing, he's suspect. Sometimes he does very well, so other times he doesn't. When I see Tyler Huntley, I see someone who's just as athletic as Lamar Jackson, and from the few times that I've seen him, he's even more dangerous as a passer. So with Lamar Jackson back, I want to say the Bengals have a better chance of winning this game. Do you guys feel the same way? Do you guys kind of feel that way about Lamar and Huntley? Yeah, I think yeah. you hit it on the head there. Yeah, so we that game could definitely go either way. I think Bengals, with home field advantage, have the upper hand. And like I said, with Lamar Jackson possibly returning, I feel like the Bengals... <laughs> They have more to play for. Well, they both have just as much to play for, let's be honest. Um, because when we look at the rest of the Bengals' schedule, which we'll get into, it's pretty tough. So Tyler Huntley's going to be a starter somewhere next year. I think, think so. I definitely agree with you, If unless the Ravens uh, retain, <clears throat> retain him. But is, is he going to be a free agent? I'm or not sure. Or some team... If if not, then I, there are definitely going to be teams who inquire about yes. him at uh, the yes. very least. I think he's proved that he can be a starter anywhere. Absolutely, he's got the athleticism. He's got the arm. Like I said, he's he's a better. He's pretty much the same as Lamar Jackson, but from what we've seen so far, a better passer. Right. So we discussed that one. What about the Steelers heading into Arrowhead to play the red hot Kansas City Chiefs? How do we feel about that? They're in trouble. Obviously, they're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got to say. I mean, the Chiefs are balling right now. It's the same team we left for dead earlier when they was three and four. But Mm -hmm. this Chiefs team is rolling. And I think it's on its way to another Super Bowl, a third straight Super Bowl appearance. And, yeah, Steelers are in trouble. I think so, too. I think, I mean, this. I'm not trying to sound biased because I don't like the Steelers at all. But I do think that I don't like the Chiefs either, so I guess it's not super biased. <laughs> but I do think Marcus is right. I think the the right terminology there is they are in trouble. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. He's got the best tight end of all time on his team. Uh, excellent receiving weapons around him, and the Steelers. You just can't count them out. They found a way uh, found a way to beat the Titans. Big Ben, I know that I've trashed on him a lot throughout the season, but he's still looking pretty good. His offensive line is not helping, that's for sure. His receivers are very inconsistent. The only consistent one has been Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool, I know pretty much <laughs> everyone is super frustrated with him, yeah. even Steelers fans. Uh, just not very good situationally. What is it about Steelers receivers that just makes them so unlikable after a while? Something in the air. I I, I just don't get it. Because uh, I said the same thing about Juju. I used to love Juju. Mm-hmm. And then he started uh, dancing on logos and taking to TikTok. And yeah. Browns is the Browns. And, well, the rest play. We all know how the rest played out. So, and then their defense going to the Steelers' defense. 
aside from TJ Watt, they're pretty inconsistent there. I do like some of their secondary pieces. Joe Hayden still playing like the Joe Hayden that we all miss from the Cleveland Browns. John Dorsey, why did you let him go? Um, but yeah, the Chiefs, they're playing red hot right now. I think that they are just going to be too much for the Steelers to handle at this point. So going on, we talked about the Packers and the Browns. Let's go on to the following week. The Chiefs versus the Bengals and Cincinnati. Do we feel any better about the Bengals' chances against the Chiefs there? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> this Chiefs team is rolling, like I said. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what's weird about AFC, the AFC North is that there are glaring weaknesses on each team. You know, you can look at the Bengals and say, oh, well, they, they seem to be pretty well-rounded, but Joe Burrow is hot and cold, and their defense is very hot and cold as well. So it's, I just don't know if their inconsistencies are going to be, um, you, you just can't have that against a team like the Chiefs with how they're playing right now. Um, Rams and Ravens, they're, the Rams are in Baltimore. How do we see this one going? I'm going to go with Baltimore. I think okay. the Rams, the Rams were playing so good at the beginning of the season, and then they just kind of started to slowly fall off a little bit more and more and more. Then they got Odell, who I'm not an Odell fan at all, so I mean, have fun with that, I guess. But he he does make a few crucial catches a game, so that might help their chances a little bit, but I, I think I'm going to go with Baltimore. I mean, I'm going with the Rams because um, this is um, some for any NFL fan or any Ravens fan, this is unheard of, a bad Ravens defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, 30, they're near bottom to last in pass yards allowed per game, 19th in points allowed per game, and 19th in total yards allowed per game. So, and so and the Rams, knowing how their passing offense is with Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, and Van Jefferson coming along as well. And, and you know how, how bad – how much of a bad boy Matthew Stafford is. So, mm-hmm. you know, so my bet. So I'm riding with the Rams on this one. Yeah, they do get Darrell Henderson back, yeah. which is pretty good. He's been one of the more underrated running backs in the league, I think. I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Um, just because, like you said, the Ravens defense just absolutely decimated with injuries early on in the year and throughout the year. It's not gotten better. Um, they're. Their defensive front, I still think, is pretty solid. But like we said, the Rams are definitely an air raid offense. They got a lot of excellent receivers. Cooper Cup, OBJ is starting to find himself again. Not the New York Giants OBJ, but definitely better than what we've seen out of him this year on the Browns. Um, And so I think that's just going to be too much for that weak Ravens secondary to handle. Uh, So, And also their defense. I do like the Rams' defense. And I think that if Lamar Jackson's still playing, they can figure out a way to uh, beat him, pretty much. So the following week, Browns versus the Steelers in uh, at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. How do we see that one going out? Do we think that the Browns will be able to win against the Steelers? Just I know this is kind of far out still, but just as of now, how do we see that one playing out? I'm going to take Marcus's terminology and say it's going to be whoever has the ball last in that type of game. Because I think both teams have the capability to pull that one out. And by that point, they both have playoff implications that they need to worry about, which adds extra motivation. But I think it'll be whoever has the ball last in that game. Yeah, I mean, 
it's I want to pick the Browns, but it's just like how you say it. Um, you can't count out the Steelers. And my dad used to have this saying: if you don't like the Steelers, you don't like football. And but it's just that over. Well, like, I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the Steelers. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but so it's not the same Steelers team I remember growing up watching when they had Palomalo, James Harris, and Ryan Clark around. Mm-hmm. But overall, you can't count the Steelers out. This is still a great franchise, a historical franchise, and they always find a way, so I'm going with the Steelers. We have seen earlier this season that we can beat the Steelers, but it just came down to those mistakes. The Steelers, when they end up winning, they ended up losing their kicker when they when they uh, beat the Browns. And yeah. so that was one that the Browns just absolutely still could have won. And so I think that with the Steelers' loss against the Chiefs and a Browns' loss to the Packers, I think that the Browns are going to be ahead of them and they are going to have more to play for. I think that they're going to come out looking stronger than they have in previous weeks. And I think the Browns are going to find a way to end up winning in Heinz field. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Browns in this one. Right. So and also that's a, that's another reason why I'm picking Sears. They, they do a great job at taking advantage of your mistakes. Mm-hmm. They do a great job in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then the last week, the Bengals at the Browns, January 9th, I honestly feel like this is going to be the game that ultimately decides who wins the AFC North. Uh, so what do you guys feel about this game, the Bengals versus the Browns in Cleveland? They have to be able to contain Joe Burrow in his explosiveness. But I think I think the Browns come away with that one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they do got great running defense, so keep, keep Joe Mixon check. Keep Joe Burrow in check. Um, Joe Burrow do make great plays, but he do make some mistakes, and you need to be able to take advantage of those mistakes. And once he give you those up, once he give you an opportunity to make great plays yourself, you gotta be able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. If only he had a flamboyant personality like uh, Baker Mayfield does, he'd be getting a ton of crap right now. But yeah, he's Joe Burrow. Everyone loves him. Everyone wants to let him off the hook. And Baker Mayfield make one mistake, and he's suddenly yeah. not our guy anymore. Yeah. I'm not saying that I dislike Joe Burrow because I really do, but. <laughs> there's there's definitely some double yeah, standards I, I, there. I like Burrow a lot. I like Burrow better, but it's just like some reason, in some reason Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield are quite the same, quite similar to each other. Like they get they start to feel themselves too much to where they start screwing up and start making mistakes. Like we all know you're talented. You know you're talented. Just stick to the fundamentals, just do your thing. That's all. You don't have to do right. so much. And the Bengals have or the Browns have definitely they have found ways to beat the Bengals pretty good over the last several years. Uh, earlier this year, they shut down Joe Burrow. I was really nervous heading into that game with how our defense looked prior to that, but they end up stepping up. They end up being a lot more aggressive. They pick off Burrow a couple times, um, and I think that they are definitely capable of doing that. And because the Browns and the Bengals are, they have just as much to play for. They, from my predictions. <laughs> They're going to end up walking into the season with the, or walking into that game with the same record, or at least will have the same record. They both have just as much to play for. But I think the Browns having home field advantage is going to be that deciding factor. It's probably going to come down to who gets the ball last. I'm going to have the Browns winning this one because they had the, the Bengals number in previous games and they have home field advantage. I'm going to take the Browns in that game. So, 
With how I'm predicting this, and how this can definitely turn out, the Browns can lose to the Packers and still make the playoffs. It, my, with, with how my predictions go, the Bengals, they win against Baltimore, lose against the Chiefs, and lose against the Browns. They finish 9-8. and eight. The Ravens, they end up losing out because of just how depleted they are. They are in a downward spiral right now. Um, and speaking of which, I also want to kind of briefly touch on what is John Harbaugh thinking? When he has he has a game-winning touchdown, or the game-tying touchdown, instead of going for one to tie the game and send it into overtime, he decides to go for two, and both times that he's tried that, he's failed. Do, what what okay. do you think about that? <laughs> so, I saw his video. So, him and Mike Tyler are quite the same coach. They let their players run the team. Like, I saw it through NFL films, like a video of him on the sidelines. After Tyler Huntley scored, he was like, so... So we could just kick the field goal ahead the overtime. We're in good shape, and or we could just win it right here. So what do you want to do? He was asking Tyler Huntley that, and he was like, "Yeah, let's win it right here." So it's like he put too much trust in his players. Like I, it's cool. It's cool seeing that you have so much trust in your players. You're a player's coach. It's cool, but you still gotta be the head coach. You still gotta be the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. So side note: Justina Anderson just announced that uh, Tak McKinley tore his Achilles. So he's yep, done for the that year. That is Justin right. Tech McKinley is out for the season. He is done with an Achilles injury. So bad news for the Browns. Uh, hopefully Jadavian Clowney comes back. Hopefully we see some more of uh, Port Augustine and Joe Jackson having pretty decent games. Um, so sucks for McKinley. All right, so the Ravens, I have them losing out. Like I said, they end up finishing 8-9, and nine, finishing in with how this goes, last place in division. I have the Steelers losing to the Chiefs, losing to the Browns at home, and beating the Ravens. They finish 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. Browns, they lose to Green Bay, they beat the Steelers, and they end up uh, winning the pretty much the playoff deciding game against the Bengals, and they win the division at 9-8. and eight. So this it's not how... We imagined if they end up winning and making and making the playoffs like this, it's not how we imagined it would go, right? No. Nah. Because we kind of headed into the season. This division was supposed to be super tough. This whole conference was supposed to be super tough. But really, every team has had some sort of glaring weakness that has held them back. So the fact that the Browns could make the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, even though we thought that, you know, 10 wins, that probably won't even be enough. The fact that they could possibly make it at 9-8, and eight, is it's just kind of surprising. It just shows how tight and weird the season has been for the AFC. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what we got uh, for the remainder of the season. Any final thoughts today? Go Browns. Best of luck. <laughs> Good luck, Cleveland. <laughs> that That's all we need right now. That's all we need. Um, so that just about does it here for us. Thanks for listening. My name is Dan Groen. I'm Marcus Anderson. Logan Congrove. And be sure to subscribe to SPT Overtime. Follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports and tune in to Sports Power Talk every Sunday at 11 on 88.1 WZIP. If you missed the latest uh, show of Sports Power Talk, you can miss it or you can catch it rather on SPT Rewind, which is our other podcast. So please check that out. Have a safe and happy holidays, everyone. And go Browns.